Ever since, the UK became aware of nurse Lucy Letby and her horrific crimes. There has been one question that everyone has found themselves asking. Why? Why did she do it? What causes a seemingly normal 25-year-old nurse to murder seven babies and attempt to kill six more? And for her parents, how can your kind, friendly daughter, who wouldn't hurt a fly, become a serial killer of babies? Well, today, with the help of criminal psychologist Dr. David Holmes, we try and find out. Just a note before we start the interview. You can now listen to the full podcast series, Killer Nurse, the story of Lucy Letby, wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the interview. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined now by Dr. David Holmes. So Dr. Holmes is a criminal psychologist with a specialism in personality disorders and dangerous and predatory people. Uh, he was for many years senior psychology uh, lecturer at Manchester Met uh, University, and he's going to help us explore and unpack this case. So Dr. Holmes, thank you so much for uh, joining us. We've had so many uh, questions in um, about this case. Um, so just to start with, everybody who knew Lucy Letby and has worked with her has described her as incredibly normal and even beige. So how common is it for serial killers and dangerous people to appear outwardly completely normal? Um, I don't know about completely normal. However, many of them do have a very good guise because they are primarily, and as far as their um, predilections will allow them, extremely good actors. Um, they can con people very easily. They love doing it. In fact, um, you know, to actually have a little friend that you can keep along in tow and be able to con them into thinking anything about you what they like um is is one of their delights you know manipulating people is one of the prime ways that they actually get some kind of enjoyment out of life because fundamentally such individuals don't get that much enjoyment out of life right okay so then if you're looking at let be the kind of number one question is is why? What could have been her motivation for murdering babies? How does a seemingly normal 20-year-old nurse start killing babies in her care? What's your kind of take from what you've seen about the, the Letby case and what her possible motivations could have been? Well, Letby tends to fall into that category of Munchausen by proxy, right. um, which is kind of extreme version of the American factitious disorder. Um, but it, it's a case of um, inflicting harm on others uh, to gain medical attention uh, and to actually uh, gain attention, full stop, um, and have power over that individual. Um, uh, kind of godlike power. And it's, you know, it's something that we can't particularly relate to. Many of the disorders that uh, I cover uh, are difficult for normal people to actually relate to. Uh, and to actually say, oh, yes, this is why someone might actually hover over a baby and make it very ill and then maybe even kill it uh, and still gain pleasure and be dispassionate about it. It's very difficult for the average person with normal predilections um, to actually understand that. Um, so I have to be kind of like dispassionate, stand back and just deal with these people as they actually are and not try and inject some kind of humanity that isn't actually there. Um, right. uh, and try and, you know, kind of 
foster some kind of weird, bizarre social reasons why they might want to take it out on babies or something like that. Um, they usually haven't got that much feeling about them, to be honest. Uh, the victims tend to be objects to be manipulated for their own good. Um, it, it, it doesn't actually matter whether they're babies, very old people, vulnerable people in other ways, um, or even a mother's own child, which is what people really have problems in actually stickling with within this particular disorder. Um, but it is becoming, it seems to be actually becoming more frequent amongst nursing and medical staff. Um, mm. Because needless to say, one of the prime characteristics of Munchausen is a kind of affinity to the medical profession and uh, a need, if you like, to put, have a foothold, uh, to be looked at as some kind of glamorous doctor, glamorous nurse, um, godlike figure who can't make any mis mistakes whatsoever, um, and to be seen as someone needed in emergencies and desperately relied on and given lots of attention to, which is one of the primary motives, is to gain attention and gain attention perhaps from, perhaps in this case, in Letby's case, there was a particular doctor um, that she was kind of like hmm, fond of. Yeah. Um, and maybe gaining his attention by simply creating these emergencies and being there on the spot, the, the nurse who is trying desperately to save this baby that she has just inflicted harm on. Um, it seems bizarre and illogical to people, but if you actually look at the prime motive of actually gaining attention and the idea that she has no real feelings for that child whatsoever as a human being, um, you begin to be get pieced together how her mind actually works. Um, most of these individuals are very high on personality disorders, which is obviously one of my areas, and, and psychopathy nearly always comes up. Um, and it's most of the elements of psychopathy where empathy fails, um, a lack of feelings for others and shared feeling with others. So um, she, to put it really bluntly, um, if I was to try and gouge out your eye with a fork or something, um, even over, over Zoom, um, <laughs> I would cringe. And I, yeah, ooh, no, no, mm. I couldn't. Uh, ooh. And, and, and it, you know, if I actually did actually touch your eye, uh, a sense of massive revulsion would happen. And, you know, it, it would be very difficult for a normal human being to inflict that kind of bizarre harm on someone. Um, however, for somebody with a level of psychopathy uh, where the empathy fails, um, it just is amusement at the reaction of the other person and very little else. There's no mm. actual feeling for them whatsoever. So in the case of the baby, you're injecting it with something which is probably going to be painful as well as harmful and possibly lethal. Um, and you're going to do that without any consideration or feeling. You don't feel that sense of, um, of pain and revulsion that a normal person would. So the, the brakes are off, if you like, when it comes to behaving like this. You don't, they're not particularly motivated to go out and create harm um, for that sake. Some psychopaths do, aggressive ones, what have you, but many of them don't. I mean, many of them don't actually commit crimes as such. Um, you know, most psychopathic individuals just use their lack of empathy, lack of feeling um, to perhaps control a very big company and make really harsh decisions about employees and slash the workforce when it's necessary and you know, become quite successful because they don't have that impediment of humanity behind mm. them. So um, it, it, in, in all fields, you will find them. There, there's a 1% of the world's population are like that. So 
you know, these, they're not all killers. Um, in the case of someone with Munchausen who has that desperate need uh, for attention, to be wanted, to be needed, um, then you've got this kind of situation where it, it will focus eventually on somebody who is vulnerable. Um, in the case of babies, uh, there's this ideal situation that they're, they're nonverbal. They ain't going to go grasp you up afterwards if you fail. And they're not going to be able to say, oh, she did this. Um, so hence, they're often picked on as the victims. Um, and obviously, you've got access. Uh, she had solitary access to these small children. Um, and nobody's going to sort of like turn around to her and say, um, wouldn't it be horrible if you were actually harming that child? Um, nobody would think of saying that until it's well down the line and she's established a kind of habit of doing it. Um, so it's quite tricky um, when you're actually looking at these individuals um, to, to tease out the actual thinking behind them, because you couldn't think like that. You mm. couldn't think, mm, if I put that in there, then they'll, mm, yeah, maybe just they'll live, but you know, it's going to be paying. Oh, enough for a crisis, enough to draw attention, enough for the alarm bells to go off, people to be drawn to it, and you to look like the good nurse, the godlike figure who is striving to save this poor baby's life that you've just endangered. Mm. And would would this have been something that she was born with, or would this be something that would have developed gradually over time? Um. Well, I think the jury's on my side on that, in that you tend to be born with these characteristics. Right. Um, they, they're often a brain defect or a brain difference, let's put it like that, because we may, we, <laughs> psychopaths may actually take over the world and we may be begging for our position in it. Um, but at some point, um, because they do have advantages, unfortunately. Um, so if they're born like that, it doesn't necessarily immediately come to light. Often parents may notice something, you know, the child didn't really care when he trod on the cat or whatever. Mm. Um, however, as they become go through adolescence, they begin to discover their difference. Um, they may discover that other people might be frightened of them because they don't have fear. They don't, you know, they're not sensitive. So therefore, they're not going to be, um, they may turn into bullies. They may turn into this, that and the other because they have this inability to be frightened of others. Um, but they may explore it in other ways and say a female is less likely to be a, in the playground being aggressive and, you know, the, the top dog or what have you um, may become um, sexually um, seductive or have you or dominant in that way um, or partying or wanting to be, um, you know, centre of attention for this, that and the other uh, and being quite callous. Um, with others, if necessary, to get there. Um, so it's it, their, their childhoods are kind of more of a voyage of discovery. I mean, it right. is for everybody, but you know, you have a lot of previous people to follow and a lot of patterns to follow. But they don't. Their pattern in life is slightly different. They're looking for satisfaction and pleasure um, in areas where other people can't really find it um, because they don't get pleasure um, and satisfaction from the kind of normal things uh, that we might, perhaps reading a book, whatever, um, that, that it's all just, whoa, it doesn't really register. Uh, it's not really impacting because that often involves a certain level of humanity and empathy that you actually identify with characters that you are, you know, or playing, you know, a part in a play or something like that, and you're involved in this. No, it doesn't, you know, it, it's just for a purpose. 
Um, but they do slowly discover that they have get pleasure and um, satisfaction from manipulating others, from gaining attention for this, that and the other from others. And in the case of the Munchausen by proxy, um, utilising uh, medical purposes and um, oppression of some vulnerable group um, in order to gain attention uh, as being a good nurse or a good mother or a mm. good carer or what have you. Um, and, and, and this gives them an immense sense of, of satisfaction. Um, it wouldn't particularly work for us. We, we'd like it if we earned it, if we really were, you know, coming in at the last second with a baby that's dying uh, and saving it. And yes, we'd be rightfully being proud, but having actually created that situation in the first place and still gaining attention, no, you have to have a lack of empathy and other characteristics. Mm. And would that be why Letby was attracted to being a nurse? Because people people who knew Letby said that from a kind of young age, she wanted to, to be a nurse. Would she have been attracted to that profession because she knew that it was a profession where she would have care over vulnerable people? I don't think initially that would have been the immediate attraction. The yeah. idea of being a, a a powerful figure, somebody who can do things uh, in the world, yeah, that would attract their attention, just as it, as it might if they were joining the police or the army, where they've got authority over people. The idea that they're going to have a badge that says, I'm okay, I'm, I'm an important person, I can do this, that and the other. Um, I think there will have been a fascination with all things medical. Um, mm. The idea of being um, people who are ill, uh, and, and how they're ill and how you can actually look as though you are uh, an angel of mercy, saving them, um, that that kind of thing might appeal to her initially. Uh, and um, and she's obviously gone through um, the channels and, and has actually, to some degree, qualified. Um, and many people in this particular category, the Munchausen by proxy individuals, um, do have some kind of medical training of some sort, even right. if it's a mother with a St. John's ambulance or what have you, um, they have a kind of fascination with that. And they do love competing with others uh, over this kind of authority that they have. So if another medic or a senior consultant or something comes up and says, oh, you shouldn't be doing this or whatever, you know, that's a bit dangerous. But no, 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 I, I'm doing this because of whatever. And they will cover it and they will actually, you know, say quite explicitly, you're wrong, I'm right. Um, mm -hmm. Because that's one of the characteristics of psychopathy. Uh, they're always right, regardless. Hmm. And I guess um, when we're speaking about Munchausen by proxy, one of the things that I think people always find quite difficult is when uh, difficult to comprehend is when it's female serial killers and when it's particularly younger uh, female killers. So does Munchausen by proxy, is that more prevalent among females than males or is it pretty split? Absolutely. 100 percent more common. Um, uh, 90 percent of, of wow. uh, Munchausen by proxy cases are mothers <laughs> and mm. the other 10 percent tends to be um uh, an assortment of um medics nurses what have you again with a predominance of females uh with a minor i mean there was the guy chua who is uh, actually a nurse in this country who, who killed individuals um uh, so some some will be male but really is overwhelmingly a kind of female um label to carry mm. 
And if let be kind of lacked empathy, um, would she have when the, when she you know when she was arrested and when she started going to trial, would she have felt that emotionally? Because some of the comments were that she was just kind of very vanilla all the time, very little response, yeah. very little reaction to stuff. Um, and is that even when you know it's against her, even or is it just because? Is it just because, as you say, she had those psychopathic tendencies, so she could not feel and express those emotions? Yeah, she just didn't have them, right. <laughs> basically. The only time you will see a tear or anything like that is 100% for themselves. Um, mm. um, oh, you know, I'm in trouble here. Um, oh, damn, I've got to, you know, uh, oh, I won't be able to just go out and do this. Um, you know, that's really bad. Um, but that would be the limit. It would just be self-pity. Uh, and not really overwhelmingly emotional self-pity because mm -hmm. uh, many, many psychopathic individuals are quite cold-blooded. I mean, they're, they're very self-protective, but they're quite capable of committing suicide just like that. You mm -hmm. know, oh, right. Yep. Sorry. No, not on face it. Not facing that. That's enough. That's it. Uh, and that's been the case with, with many of the suicides in prison, whereby, you know, the kind of um, Fred West and what have you uh, won't actually go through the sentence and be punished, they just shot themselves instead. Mm. And anyway, um, coming back to the police interview, yeah. which is where we were, um, no, her dispassionate responses are genuinely dispassionate. She just did not feel anything, just playing a game of, of factual stuff and, um, no, I didn't do that. Um, no, I would never do that, blah, blah. Um, saying the right things, but obviously not fully aware of the context is overwhelmingly against them uh, and that, uh, you know, the evidence is just going to pile up. Um, it, it's one of the bad areas, if you like, of, of Munchausen by proxy uh, that we found over case after case. I did a case for a um, television programme, fairly popular one, Casualty over here, and um, and pointed out, yeah, no, you know, you're going to have to have CCTV, otherwise you ain't really got evidence um, because, you know, it's very difficult to pair everything together. It all becomes mm. circumstantial. Yeah. Um, whatever the evidence is, it's circumstantial. Um, they were there. This happened. OK, they were there. This happened. But it doesn't prove that they did it, uh, unfortunately. Um, so um, I just advise them to put a, a camera in the corner and accidentally capture something so that you actually have concrete evidence. Mm. Um, but in these cases, it's almost always in court. Um, the outcome that um, the circumstantial eventually outweighs significant evidence. What I mean, mean by that, you, you're actually subject to something called a Bayesian analysis, um, where if you do an, a normal analysis to try and prove something, you generally have significant provable points. So so-and-so saw Lucy Letby do this. Um, We've got the reliability issues, misinterpretation issues, but that is a kind of significant, you know, it's over the 95% um, certainty that this happened. Therefore, that is a kind of building block of evidence. Often in Munchausen, you haven't got any of that. You've just got the circumstantial stuff. Well, mm. she was there when that happened, blah, and, and this happened when, and so-and-so saw her, perhaps, you know, she could have been at the cupboard and she could have, this kind of thing. However, if you do a Bayesian analysis, um, it takes all these tiny, little, non-significant, circumstantial pieces, bring them all together, and if they all point in the same direction, i.e. towards Lucy Letby and nobody else, 
um, then that is actually stronger evidence because the chance of that happening by chance mm. is virtually zero. Never mind five percent; it's zero almost. That all those, you know, it's like you know you're tossing a penny and you're getting um, heads four hundred times. Um, it's not going to happen by chance, is it? You know, one in a billion, maybe, but nah, not even that. So in these cases, that is what you rely on. Mm. The accumulation of a massive amount of circumstantial evidence that eventually says it could not be anyone else. It has to be this person. Um, all the arrows point to her. So that is one of the ways and one of the building blocks uh, of how you actually handle Munchausen cases. Um, why we don't immediately, there's a suspicion, stick CCTV in and have done with it with certain evidence of actually videoing them doing it. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's difficult. Maybe it's uh, morally difficult. Maybe the mm. staff wouldn't like being watched. I don't know. But it just seems to me like the only way of actually preventing these cases in an ongoing way. Mm. You you do wonder why after the death of the fourth baby that that exactly as you say did 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 not happen. Um, when you're speaking about Munchausens, can it be treated? What what would be the situation if if Letby had identified that she had this psychological condition and had sought medical help? Um, it was very difficult. You don't often get people go. Oh, I think I might be a serial killer. Can you help me? Um, it it, it, it tends not to happen. Um, mm -hmm. but but if it were the case. Um, it's not a lot you can do right. because psychopathy itself is not curable. The lack of empathy isn't curable. Um, and this need for attention is not something that goes away. I mean, it, they've tried um, to reform people, you know, who've had Munchausen by proxy. Um, and it really, they just repeat offend. Uh, they're drawn to it. They don't really get a lot of satisfaction out of anything else. So they would tend to fall towards that area again so no it's it's unfortunately difficult um what you can use um which you use with psychopaths um in prison and things is to try and point out certain things you work it under the thing that you're not always right you can't possibly always be right uh, and you try and erode that and you say to them basically okay you want these things you want immediate power and money and control over people you, you can get that by legitimate means mm. you know you can work for it you can become a ceo and you know as many ceos are psychopaths do <laughs> it's a characteristic that helps put it that way um so you know, there is there there is a way that you can do this legitimately and try and enjoy the process. Uh, unfortunately, many of them don't enjoy the process and go back to their own methods. Um, but yes, there are things you can try and do. But generally speaking, over time, we have found that they don't particularly work. So reform of someone with Munchausen is pretty much impossible. So they'd always be a danger to others. You couldn't let them babysit or anything, you know, that involves somebody who's vulnerable. They would just have to play with it, you know. Mm, that's interesting. And will there be attempts to, you know, will she see a psychologist in prison? Will that be part of it? Will there be attempts at rehabilitation or is this, obviously she'll never be released or will this just kind of be put aside as a case of, as you say, she's a psychopath and it's untreatable? No, there will be attempts. Um, right. We never give up, basically, uh, from that side. Um, 
the idea of prisoners being elected towards um, certain programs and um, and uh, actually, you know, sometimes they are basically experiments. Um, you you put forward this program. Somebody says this would be a good idea. This might work. You implement it with so many um, individuals, and you have a comparison group that you don't actually implement it with and see if there's any improvement. It's it's a very laborious, expensive and slow process um mm. but unless we had the death penalty um we don't really have an option because at some point the prisons are going to be either over full or you know we're going to have to let these people out while they're still dangerous and and both of those are not particularly pleasant things to face so yes doing something about it um is is essential uh, unfortunately there are just certain areas where reform it is almost impossible, not absolutely impossible, but pretty much, I would have said, 95 percent not reformable. Mm. And during the trial, it was said that uh, Let Be kept trophies of the murders in her house. These were the kind of medical handover notes that, that mm. she um, took home and kept in in her house. And um, why why would she have done this? Um, it seems like an own goal, really. It seems really mm. a dumb thing to do. Um, but... She will have had a kind of overriding need. Um, her kind of synthetic sentimentalization, which is the replacement, if you like, for her empathy. Um, it's almost like a fictional thing, you know, okay, um, you know, I, I I can just slice this baby's throat open, but you know, oh Bambi, Bambi, oh, oh that was awful. You know, it is this, you know, pretend emotion thing. Um, they will hold these trophies and revisit the precise um intricacies of what they did, what happened, the parents' face, how they managed to, you know, help the parent, in inverted commas, uh, and uh, comfort the parent and engage with them uh, and glory, if you like, over their handiwork, um, which is an awful thing. You know, if you look at them in retrospect, you know, it just the, the parents are just doubly damned, if you like. You know, they had their child killed, and now they're actually the killer is actually um, gaining gratification from engaging with them, which is something mm. that Lucy Letby definitely did, uh, and did it, you know, ad nauseum, um, because the, these parent poor parents were actually almost predated on uh, and had her intruding when basically it was not necessary and she shouldn't have even been there. Um, you know, sending cards to the at the funeral and and basically just really rubbing rubbing um salt into the wound really um so it, it, yeah they they do kind of over sentimentalize their own aspects of the case um but it, it it's a horrific kind of sentimentality to go through the intricacies of your you killing a small child mm. and would would let be have likely got gratification from uh the media coverage from the long trial, is that something that would play into her need for attention? Some do and some don't. Right. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's a case of does this, you know, feed their uh, ego and their, their need for attention or does this expose them to being a kind of failure, if you like, um, to, to, to have, you know, expose their... To, their tricks and their cover-ups and what have you. Um, you know, some 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 individuals do glory and they will get into court and they will argue and they will push their case and they will enjoy the combat uh, of pushing themselves as being, no, I was doing the perfect, the right thing, et cetera, et cetera, injecting them with insulin. Um, it, it, they, they would argue the case, you know, 
to the point of ridiculousness, but that their ego will not let them let go. And they would glory in, and many have, you know, sort of like, you know, shone their face towards the cameras and um, posed and what have you. I don't think it was the case with Letby. I think that she was just kind of semi-horrified that her entire uh, contrivance and her, her pack of lies, et cetera, had just been for her own opening court. Uh, and there she was trying to pick up the pieces, really. Mm. Um, but she was on a losing wicket, really, from the word go, um, because before they went to court, they had the evidence, um, as opposed to going to court and trying to gather the evidence, uh, which is why... Um, some of these people just simply walk from court. Many, many do. It has to be said, many do. Mm. And when she didn't go to hear her sentence, was that the kind of the final last bit of her exercising her control over the over the parents? Yes, I think so. I think mm. really um, she hadn't got much else but yeah. hiding away, uh, saving her face, if you like, um, not being exposed to being told that she's wrong and that she's guilty and being told what to do uh, primarily uh, by someone else um, is something that she was able, at least publicly, to avoid. Um, privately, who knows whether she suffered or just simply thought, right, OK, I'm going to have to adapt to this. Uh, should I top myself or should I um, you know, knuckle down and see if I can get some benefit out of this and manipulate? Uh, I mean, there was the, the guy... He was a gasoline injector as a Munchausen by proxy thing. And he killed his girlfriend by injecting with gasoline and, and what have you when they were sedated. And uh, he actually went into prison and ended up um, injecting one of the inmates, his cell buddy, <laughs> which is utterly, utterly unbelievable that you mm. would still carry on your crimes in prison, you know, um, particularly a crime that's technically very difficult like that. Um, so. They're, for them, you know, it, it's never particularly the end. And if it is the end, it, they're the one who will actually take their own life away. Mm. And just looking at it from a, a slightly um, a slightly different angle, Let B's parents uh, stood by her the entire time, the entire trial, and they maintain her innocence, we're, we're led to believe. How do, what's what's the psychological response from parents when your child does something so horrific like this just what what's likely going on in in their minds well there's two routes uh which you know there's plenty of evidence of uh some parents quite simply go accept the evidence they can see it and perhaps they can see it bedded into their experience with with their child um and will immediately kind of shun the child and say no you deserve what you get um we, we had no idea that you were going to be turning out like this. We wish you hadn't. And, and we, we have no, in no way condone what you've done or, you know, um, believe that you have any kind of innocence, what have you. And there are many cases with parents that, you know, completely and utterly, um, you know, rejected their own child because, quite simply, they've turned out really bad. Mm -hmm. um, um, but others just are in disbelief and denial. They, they, they just can't see how that child that they interacted with um, when they were younger, you know, growing up, um, could possibly have done these things. There must be something wrong. Um, this evidence must have been contrived or it's, it's just basically wrong. They, they, there's a mistake somewhere uh, and they will go through this process of denial. 
and still see that child in the dock as being, you know, their vulnerable child who, who is obviously being victim to something or other, some plot. Um, and and it, those are really kind of almost disastrous cases, you know, mm. because the parent is going to, at some point, you know, have to face up to the idea that, you know, this has happened and you have to actually accept it and accept your child was not a good person. Um, mm. It doesn't necessarily, as I say, reflect on the parents. It might reflect on their genetics a little bit, uh, but that really isn't their fault, if you like. Um, and it, these people may have been brought up wrong. They may have been allowed things when they shouldn't. Um, the whistle could have been blown earlier, maybe in a babysitting episode or something or other. Um, but in these cases, they just never saw it. And, and it, it's quite tragic in that way. It's a double tragedy. Um, you know, they've lost a child and for what they think uh, are all the wrong reasons, almost the same way that the victims have actually lost their child um, again uh, for no fault of their own. Um, and um, it, 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 it's awful. It's far, far better outcome if the parents realise how the child has turned out. That's how it is. And treat the child as the rest of society would that somebody mm. who requires a lifelong time in prison. Mm. And talking of prison, Letby will likely be around other psychopathic people in prison. What happens when two psychopaths come together? Um, it's either conflict or cooperation. <laughs> right, okay. There's nothing in between or indifferent, totally indifference. Um, it, it, it'd be difficult because you've got Connors trying to con other people that con, and mm. the complexity of that can get quite weird. Um, you know, the relations within prison. Um, but they they tend not to conspire to get out or anything like that. They tend to be very territorial. Um, they tend maybe to share stories and exaggerate, um, or they may clam up entirely, keep themselves to themselves and be quite aggressive if anybody tries to intrude uh, quite simply in the idea that, yeah, I'm going to get out. And if I say anything now, that might be used against me, mm. even to another prisoner. Um, but yeah, it, it's it can be quite a complicated, sometimes um, kind of uh, black humoured, um, but uh, psychopaths relating to psychopaths is quite amusing because they both get the uh, rough end of each other and um, cannot possibly ever trust that other person in any way, shape or form. Hmm. Really interesting. And more, just more generally, you've um, you've spent a lot of your career looking into, you know, these dangerous and, and predatory people. And is there a way that we as a society can identify and diagnose potential serial killers before they kill? You know, what are the telltale signs when children are, are growing up? Well, the vast majority of um, serial killers are psychopathic. Right. So looking for lack of empathy, mm -hmm. a lack of genuine emotion in certain circumstances, uh, manipulation of others. Um, basically, this lack of human reaction, genuine human reaction. I mean, they do tend to turn out as actors and they do charm and disarm very much. Um, so engagement with these individuals, as children or what have you, growing up, um, you will be calmed if you like and you will be persuaded that this person is well but they will often um show themselves as in um not having fear 
whereas you know everybody else has moved back from the cliff top this one's hanging off um and um not actually reacting um sensitively when tragedy or or misfortune happens you know so somebody falls over and and their leg is bleeding badly and you know the, the one person that says oh i've never seen so much blood um probably is the one with a lack of sensitivity um it i'm, I'm trying, making a joke of it but it, it is it is tragically real and, and unfunny um when you look at the consequences later on uh when these um kind of symptoms if you like of dangerousness uh come to the fore um but yes, I don't know why I can seem to spot them coming a hundred yards away, but I think it's because you tune so, so often um, to the outward signs of inward problems. Um, you know, there's often a kind of look or a, a lack of um, uh, discretion in, in staring or what have you um, that um, kind of indicates to me that you've got someone who is moderately high on the psychopathy scale and therefore could be dangerous. Um, Often you will find in the histories of these individuals, they will fantasize, they will be reading material that is, you know, sequentially uh, to do with uh, something that they may do later in life um, and uh, an obsession with those kind of activities. Um, when you come to other disorders that actually are more likely to produce serial killers, more explosive personalities, a kind of borderline uh, as we determine it, borderline personality disorder, which tends to be individuals that um, uh, have mood swings that sort of go very quickly, usually to anger, usually to kind of explosive violence, etc. Um, those individuals often will indicate themselves early on. Uh, and um, but but a lot of the characteristics of personality disorders tend to be more obvious uh, during the teenage years, adolescence, and teenage. Right when they really do tend to interact with others in a personal and sexual and um, emotional level. Uh, the deficits and what have you are more obvious. Um, but it, it, it is quite tricky because that charming person who's, you know, talking about a, a, a long life that with you together and is, you know, going to do this and we're going to do that and we'll, we'll get married in Mauritius and we'll do this and we'll, you know, um, that you think is probably missed mid or mr charming um may be exactly one of those cases mm. and what kind of what are the statistics of these cases what proportion of society do have psychopathic tendencies it's about one percent of significant psychopathic traits right uh, it is a scale that, seem, that seems quite high it is very high yeah, yeah. we're talking millions uh, yeah. you know in, in america three million or something like that um so it, it, it's um, it's uncommon <laughs> at one percent, uh, but it's not that uncommon um, in that you will during your lifetime meet one or two. Um, but the um, actual figures um, belie their absolute dangerousness because the majority of psychopaths do not become serial killers. Although the majority of serial killers are psychopaths, mm. um, most psychopaths find their niche in society one way or another. Um, okay, there may be some feckless, um, homeless individuals that uh, are never going to be um, drawn into society properly. Um, however, there will also be um, many successful psychopaths, as I said, 
CEOs, um, you know, army, um, senior personnel, what have you, where, where brutalness and um, a lack of empathy for others is actually a useful characteristic. Um, if you have to say deal with psychopaths in a prison, um, you you probably would have an advantage if you had a certain amount of psychopathic traits. Um, so it, it, it doesn't um, preclude you um, from having a, a I couldn't say normal life, but a life that could be successful and satisfying for the average individual. Um, but needless to say, um, what would we do without? Um, I always get into trouble by saying this, um, pediatric surgeons or, you know, what kind of person can get up at 4am on a Sunday morning and usefully slice open babies uh, and uh, perform and stitch them up uh, expertly? Um, it takes not a very sensitive Mm. Very kind of, you know, if you were an extremely sensitive person, you'd be sick with your breakfast, probably thinking about what you've got to do. Um, so it can be turned into a useful trait if someone has a certain aloof insensitivity, but needless to say, wants to do the right thing in the world, they can actually turn that into something uh, whereby they've not got to go through the 200 um, observations of operations where they're throwing up and they're trying to, to in order to, to build up insensitivity, they have insensitivity built in. So you do get, um, you know, slightly higher levels of psychopathy amongst, you know, surgeons, butchers, slaughtermen, right. you know, people that have to face brutal things uh, as part of their lives, you know. Um, and do very well at it and hopefully don't actually go on like unfortunately the background of many serial killers is that they were you know slaughterhouse men or what have you um so it it's it can it has to be a useful trait in some ways and unfortunately one of the things that you have to bear in mind uh, as i said earlier in this is that in many ways psychopathy seems maladaptive because you have these serial killers, you have these insensitive individuals who do terrible things to other people. Um, however, in evolutionary terms, which ultimately is all that matters, to be honest, um, in other words, to survive, thrive, and become populous in society, um, certain traits uh, are actually, if you like, um, pro-evolution. So psychopathy the average psychopath male will have lots and lots of children will not bother fathering them and will move on in life um will not will have propagate their genes far more than the average sensitive person that's going right. to look after two or three children and so on and mm. so forth so in evolutionary terms unfortunately it could be adaptive which mm. means doesn't mean that you're a good person or it's a really good idea to have lots of psychopaths in society. However, um, there probably are going to be more and more as time goes on. Plus, you have the more successful individuals who are using their insensitivity, you know, productively, um, but then again, have great power in society. And I think I'm beginning to describe the current political situation in the world, aren't I? <laughs> there are a few That's world scary, leaders who fit it? that profile yeah, but yeah I, guess it's, I guess it's what you would expect because those are the people who yeah. raise up and who do well in society 
exactly yes mm. um, which is unfortunate for us we we do pick the the people that we choose. <laughs> mm. um, and um, when we're um, when we are looking at the the Letby case, generally, is there any learning we can we can take from this? Is is there anything we can take to try to prevent something as horrific as this happening again? Yes, there is. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be the kind of um, try and spot them in childhood thing because it's quite difficult. Really, it's quite mm. difficult. Um, you couldn't say that everybody who wants to, you know, be a nurse and care for people, uh, you know, is potentially a Munchausen case. They're very, very rare amongst those. So, um, but what you could do is try and cut short um, this um, killing period. Um, so as soon as there are um, any suspicions, uh, obviously you don't want to have, you know, suspicions in every hospital every other day. Um, however, as soon as you have any kind of suspicions and you have clearly more than one person one member of staff who is drawn to this idea then you should act immediately and install cctv or some equivalent equivalent monitoring um whereby you know uh who it is what they are doing very quickly and you have concrete evidence and you've not got this ambiguous situations that you had at a particular hospital uh, where you've got staff who are almost convinced that something is going on and senior management who don't want to cause trouble and don't want to draw any attention to them uh, saying no let's no 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 we don't want any of this here thank you um you know um whether or not they believe the consultants or not um it's a case of you couldn't do that if you had cctv saying that's the person they did that mm. um there may be other methods but generally speaking, uh, that is one thing that we know does work and has worked extremely well in the past in stopping these events progressing. Mm. And um, Dr. Holmes, just our final um, question. Um, you've spent a lot of your career looking at the darker side of humanity and the darker side of the, the human mind. Um, how has that impacted you? <laughs> It's odd because, uh, you know, I started off as a very kind of optimistic human being, you know, uh, but curious, but curious about all these things. Um, it's it's made me a lot more kind of cautious. It's it's made me um, have less confidence in the world. Um, and it's made me slightly uh, pessimistic about our future as humanity. Um, for the reason I mentioned before, basically, we have been taken over by dictators, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, but one other thing it has really done is to make me very, very sensitive to and incredibly appreciative of um, genuine, uh, human caring and support for others uh, that you get from some individuals, um, whereby, you know, you come almost overwhelmed that in, in this forest of bad people you have this these people who will go out uh, and for the good from the goodness that my grandmother used to say from the goodness of their heart um give to others do for others uh, without any kind of um, selfish needs or you know i'm, I'm ooh, look at me i'm a do-gooder blah blah nothing like that. they just do it and they do it without recognition and they do it you know for no other reason than they want to do it and and it, it you that increases as you see, there's so many bad people around, 
and, mm. and so much really kind of corrupt thinking and um, and profiteering and greed in the world that really shines out. You, you see some wonderful people. Yep. And uh, that's probably quite a nice note to uh, end on. Dr. David Holmes, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. My thanks again to Dr. David Holmes. If you found this podcast interesting, please do recommend it to your friends, subscribe, rate and review. It really helps other people find the show and I'm grateful for all of your reviews so far. The show will continue with a brand new series soon, so please be sure to subscribe. And if you wish to contact the show, you can do so by emailing contact at voiceoverbritish.com.